0: meditation practice particularly one's doing a, a lot of it in a retreat situation it uh, requires some skill to keep the balance tendency can be just get very uh, intense about it where we get uh, so sort of tight and intense and and uh, sort of heavy, and then to counteract that, maybe we kind of try to find some lightness. So we find, we'd just trying to find things to loosen up a bit, make oneself feel a bit lighter or loosen up a bit. Um, but then we can swing between, if we get too light, it gets kind of just silly and, uh, distracted. So, the only way you can feel lightness is by doing something other than meditating. <laughs> you know, we can only do it maybe the innocent, fairly innocent things like going for walks or having a chat or reading a book or something like that, which are okay, innocent enough in a way, but, uh, um, it's, it's unfortunate if we can't find light, lightness any other way than that. It means that you know, we're dependent upon particular external uh, conditions. But then if we just say, right, cut it all out, just meditate, then we can get quite obnoxious. A you know, kind of grim, obnoxious enlightenment or bust mentality. To the, the intention is to, to driving, it's, not, it's not, not fully balanced out. Um, so, in this, uh, it's very important to consider in this the, the uh, Buddha re- uh, considered to be the factors of meditation that right, right in the front of them is this word viveka non-attachment, which is a kind of balancing quality, it's not attached to the future, to getting places, to being something, to not being something, to making something, to to destroying something, to having something, to getting rid of something. It's a sort of, um, you know, it's a balancing thing, and it's detached from these unskillful mental um, states and activities that tend to take us into extreme positions where we get tense or we get giddy or we flounder around or we, or we get going to kind of spasms of tension and, and or we get dogmatic. And so Viveka is considered to be a very important factor. It's the parent of uh, joy uh, and ease. And in a way we could say that uh, it's, it's a word that really encapsulates the Buddhist past. only Nibbana itself is just a kind of supreme uh, amplification of Viveka, this non, non-attachment, very deep, very taken to its deepest and most thorough extent. And so then when one's cultivating you have these uh, factors of meditation, the first three are Viveka, non-attachment, vitaka, which is a fixing process, fixing attention, and Vichara, which is the process of evaluation. And these are things that work together to to begin to uh, connect attention in such a way to, to uh, sensory objects, to mind objects, the physical the, the objects that appear in consciousness in a way that will transform them from being things that, that agitate the mind confuse it, make it proliferate make it distracted into things that will make the mind centred calm uh, and and um, radiant and this is the work of these three uh, factors, uh, very often um, these, so it's a kind of, um, it gives you an idea of what, these are, what wisdom is, in, in the Buddhist sense of the word, because it's not an intellectual process, but these are, definitely requires the wisdom factors to be able to discern where one's going what kind of what the mind states are about, and to be able to to choose particular meditation themes to apply, to, to focus on, you know, to fix one's mind with this particular theme, such as the theme of kindness, you know, to make that one's kind of one's focal um, directing principle, mm. or or uh, focusing on a physical. Objects and investigating them, or focusing on feelings, investigating them. Gives you an idea of what wisdom is. It means the ability to to learn. Really, it's not to really learn, not just uh, saturate with ideas, but to really learn directly from your own mind. And paramount, or most commonly used, uh, wisdom. Factors uh, come under the uh, specifications of sati, mindfulness. This is a, a kind of a great tool for for, for, for the wisdom factors. Um, it's kind of direct, feel it out, uh, learning experience, and it helps to keep things light because it keeps, it keeps an overall survey of uh, how we're approaching things, um, why we're approaching things, what the purpose is, what the mood of the mind is, uh, the real nature of an object, the nature of a feeling, it's, it's kind of, it's got a, it's got a, it's a real lear- learning thing. And it tends to replace blind impulse or or dogmatic uh, idealism, of one kind or another. You learn, you learn through sati, through, through mindfulness. And so it's it's of paramount importance in this process of fixing and evaluation and non-attachment. So it is a it's a strong asset to samadhi. Mindfulness, in a way, is is very much uh, inspired by this non-attachment, because it has no particular. It's not trying to find something. It's not trying to make anything. It's not trying to, you know, get anywhere. It just it's that which is receiving and recollecting and comprehending. But sometimes it's called mindfulness and full awareness, sati Um Mindfulness, wisdom, satipanya. These are uh, different shades of its of its uh, of its significance. Now, the way that mindfulness works. Uh, to foster non-attachment is it, it presents things to the mind in a different way than the way of habit that normally when we're conscious of something then consciousness arises and through the eye we see something we feel something with the body we hear something for example consciousness arising arises a consciousness is dependent or is is conditioned by uh, particular um, receptors programs evaluators get built into it through a lifetime um, and these are based on self-interest. Self survival, if you like, uh, sort of psychological survival, uh, physical survival, uh, and then what, how that kind of branches out into that which is, say, more gratifying, or that which is actually more protective. And the mind, being what it is, it can create a tremendous uh, kind of database of of preferences and inclinations as to you know what things would would boast Best suit me, most gratify me, most fulfil me, most uh, protect me from all kinds of things, things I feel I need to be protected from. And as uh, a, a strong uh, sense of self develops over the years, then we have very specific, uh, a very uh, tremendous list of requirements to to protect and gratify ourselves with. So there's like embarrassment, you know, it's not physically threatening, but it's the sort of thing we never want to have happen. You mm. never want to be seen with your zipper undone, or your old socks on, or your, you know, it's kind of thing, oh my goodness, dire shame, oh dear, you know, they saw me like that, and all your hair in a mess, or first thing in the morning, what you look like. So, you know, that becomes something that we must pre- make sure it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. So with these, uh, uh embarrassment is something we want to protect ourselves from. It's not physically threatening, but it's it's psychologically dreadful, terrifying experience. We want to protect ourselves from boredom. Um, and then there's things we want to have, you know, like success and uh, approval actually not physically necessary, but they become you know, psychologically very necessary. So it gets attached to all these things. We build up a whole um series set of of um of ploys and, and uh ways of even rec- receiving things and seeing things and, and and uh that that will um try to fulfil our the psychological needs as well as the physical ones. And the mind, so consciousness gets trained to present things to us in the, with this all this in mind. Hey, what will make what will make me feel good? Hey, what will make me feel happy? What will make sh- make me look good? What will prevent me from being uh, laughed at or, or ridiculed? You know, it's kind of this is happening all the time. So these things are going on. come. You know, you know subtle defense ploys and uh, and uh, things to to assert oneself or to to be seen as apart from the physical things like this, that which will which, which will delight bring around passion, excitement, and therefore a kind of charged up feeling, charged up experience. Get as many of those as possible. Let's not have any kind of flat, tedious ones. Avoid those. So you get quite good. Your consciousness is doing this all the time. You stay with something. Oh, this is getting tedious. Right? <laughs> Switch off. <laughs> or oh, we go to places that could be more interesting. You know, uh, are we we on the lookout for where the, uh, the fun adventure could be, somewhere or another. So everything can start being assessed in that way. Um, This of course makes your mind very agitated, doing this all the time. So when a sense impression hits, you know, it's picked up, then it's, you know, very rapidly, it's, it's kind of Cognizes is this one is this a winner or a loser if it's a winner stay with it if it's a loser quick get out of it uh, if we're uncertain stay with it a bit longer and check it out and this is the process of cognition very rapidly you know receive something so all this is going on you have these cognitions or perceptions and then what will give rise to the you know, much uh, desired vedana or feeling of pleasantness uplift, psychological, emotional, physical, sensual, whatever. You know, what's going to give me the, the buzz or the gladness, or so what's going to you know minimize the sinking, <laughs> the dread feeling, your mm. consciousness condition like that. Now the quality of mindfulness is it bypasses all that. I mean, if it's if it's working, that is, I'm not concerned with what's going to be <coughs> good for me or what's going to make me look. You just it's not it's not presenting things in that way. So it's uh, it's not presenting things in a way that will be uh, gratifying or uh, stimulating or fascinating. You know. it's not presenting things it, it's just presenting it as something that, that happens it's kind of got its objectivity something that's actually happened and <coughs> in, that, in doing that it reveals that whatever happens is the nature to, to rise up and be compounded and brought together and then to kind of disband and fade away. It does that. So it presents things to the conscious to, to the mind in that way. And that's particular that experience has got a very different um, rhythm, <coughs> different effect than the surges of pleasure and displeasure, which tend to stimulate and agitate. Which uh, tend to feed into a whole kind of gratification and uh, defence um, patterns, psychological patterns. But arising and ceasing doesn't, rising and passing away is is got a kind of it's calming, it's dispassionate. So it it therefore brings around this quality of lightness of non-attachment. as something that's got a steady, tranquil, easy feeling that we feel at ease. And we feel (coughs) clear, because the mind, instead of being blurred and agitated by excitement or dread, is not, it's just, is enhanced in terms of clarity and calm. And you begin to experience through that process a whole realm of mind that one was barely aware of. These are... Say, things are well, for example, we use the uh, seven enlightenment factors. all of the... Well, the um, investigation... And mindfulness, um, calm and persistent <coughs> energy and rapture, uh, and um, con- uh, centeredness, concentrated centeredness, and equanimity. These, for example, are things that we begin to experience more fully. And not dependent upon some particular thing happening to us, but as just there uh, as you know part of the mind's um way of operating so that, that we, then this is tremendously um fulfilling because we begin to get realize the faith faculty and the confidence is. Strength and enhance, you begin to see how hey, your mind is not just the kind of bluebottle fly running around in circles, dart, 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 buzz, 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 looking for the sweets. It's uh, and it's not just the kind of machinating horror. It's it's got these very beautiful qualities to it that you can rely upon and enjoy. So it, it prepares the the path for. The experience of enjoyment, <coughs> which is one of the signs of samadhi, that is, one is at ease, one is enjoying one's own consciousness, one's mind consciousness in itself, rather than because of it finding something to hook onto. So this this then mindfulness enhances confidence enhances. Faith enhances wisdom, enhances effort. Because you're, when you're mindful, then you're not. Your effort is actually much more effectively used. You're not trying to juggle a whole crate of oranges. Of what I want, what I don't want. Is this going to work for me? Do I like this? Is it going to happen now? Is it going to be cheap? Is it going to, you know, But just one. How is it? Oh. <laughs> so you know you're you actually you're not carrying so much when you can when you can actually when you can be mindful of things. It, it's got a it really uses the resource of energy and effort persistence to its fullest advantage. when the uh very famously the buddha talked about mindfulness as, as you know uh, established in four fields four foundations four, four uh, collections if you like the collection or field of of um of um, form bodily form and uh of feeling and of mind and of the mind objects things that the mind can pick up so difference in mind and mind objects is the mind when we see things as mind it means that the kind of general mindset when you're really grumpy elated inspired you know, the general mindset mind objects is much more Particular things that you can discern—not so much the mindset, but what the mind is juggling with, or you know, being 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 dumped on um, for good, good and bad. So you've got a whole range of 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 areas that really cover the whole field of experience. What can be experienced and the way of experiencing it covers the whole thing. Uh, so that that's something that one can you know read and investigate in, in detail. But the essential uh, feature of it is is it uh, that for example with body when you're practicing mindfulness of the body then you. You can you see the process of mindfulness is to is to continually um, present body in a non-habitual yet quite accurate way in a way that's not to do with self-image. It's a non-self kind of body. So that's that's the uh, that's the pattern breaking quality of mindfulness just the same old body, but instead of seeing it in terms of mind, with all the kind of uh, agitation, worry uh, that can affect it, or inve- personal investment in it, we're just seeing it as body. And so mindfulness does that, and then it, it has the uh, uh, power to, to break things down into more momentary experiences. So we say body. Well, you know, what body? What do you mean by that? You mean your hand, foot. You mean your head? You mean your blood? What? So then it looks at particular things that are just the whole. So it breaks through the the habit of cognition, which tends to cognition or sanya tends to form things in particular habitual ways. You know, and and that as that habit pattern establishes itself, that becomes the basis for our self-view, so that habit pattern locks. So, for example, body, you probably think mostly of your the face, and perhaps the shape, your fat or thin, um, and the face, what that's about, you think about your elbows, probably. If you've got particularly hideous or lovely elbows <laughs> you have know, elbows like football, which you probably think about them a lot, but really the general you do say particular things you might have a kind of a you know lump in the middle of your forehead or something you're very self conscious of um, so you see that like the face. And in the general sh- general sage, general shape. Perhaps the colour of the hair or you know, whether it's basically whether it's pleasing or not, one finds it pleasing. Which is difficult to find your own form that pleasing. You know, you live with it all these years and you see what it looks like on the bad nights. That so there's a certain sort of amount a certain kind of tenseness about that, even People who, who are advertised have been extremely beautiful always worried about their you know, physical appearance having to prop it up all the time. Uh, but mindfulness just doesn't bother with that perceptual pattern, that cognitive pattern. It, it, it just doesn't even pick that up in the first place. It just has hair, skin, blood, uh, bones, meat flesh, sinews, and so on. Which is true. There's not much self in that. You know, it's a high bone. Great bit of fat you got there, sister. <laughs> it's not not really the sort of thing that you make much of. Um, but it's, it's uh, an effect on the on the mind if you do that in a proper way is it just kind of leave, leaves a lot of space there there's nothing much to say it's, well that's it so what there's a kind of coolness emotional coolness and a well, that's the end of all that all that kind of agitation and it, which we probably didn't realise was there because it's kind of locked into that cognitive impression of body. And then if you get even more radical, you can break it down to just pure elements, say the solidity, the fluidity, the caloricity, and the, the movability or stillness of it. And you break it down to that, and it's even, not even really uh, human anymore. It's just kind of you know, it's not even animal anymore, it's just raw element, which is one way of looking at it, that that uh, cuts through a whole range of perceptions. It, it eliminates the possible, you know, way th- things arise. It becomes something whereby if you cultivate it correctly, then it leads to a, a tremendous sense of connectedness and empathy. Because this is, you know, you, 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 this is the world of form, Is this. And the form that's mine, the form that's yours, is really, just aspects of form. And they feel about the same. I'm sure, you know, your body feels about the same. It's warm and cold, and there's painful bits and pleasant bits, and it's tired, and it you know, bleeds was mine. So that is a very peaceful, experiencing like that. And it does, in a way, present how much, it does begin to help us see how much unconscious self-view is operating just in the very process of, of perception, of cognition of recognizing things, and how that consciousness is motivated by that perception, that image, that impression, is concerned about it, holds to it, uh, proliferates around it, uh, is excited by it, is depressed by it, seeks it out in others, seeks out you know, uh, beautiful forms, feels that it will be made happy by that you know it's gratified by that and this whole realm of agitation Mm. and then we apply that same process to mind mind which is what cramped tight buoyant loose extensive bubbly sagging. You know, so similar kind of thing to the body, really, in a way. It's got kind of the same protein polymorphous qualities. This is mind. It's the way it's like this. Mind's you know, it's about the same for everybody, really, just in its in that nature. And there's things in it that one desperately, you know doesn't want to have happen, and things in it we wish would happen much more often than they do. So around that, all kinds of uh, maneuvers get created to 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 try to actuate those needs, those desires, those wishes. So again, a tremendous amount of of energy and uh, defence and denial and hiding and covetousness and grasping goes on around that to stimulate the mind so because of this the mind is deprived of its own naturalness it's like something that you've started putting cosmetics on, and then on top of that more, and then more and more so it, you don't even see what it is anymore. it is just a trembling it's just that that's all it seems to be and this is a this is a uh, very unfortunate thing because when we take the mind to be that to perceive it as that need want. Resistance experience as that continual flutter, then one is not inspired to really investigate it, or abide with it, or develop it, or cultivate it, or meditate. It becomes very difficult. I don't even think it's worthwhile. And, that bec- and as a whole, because of so much identification with mind, even more than with body, there's a this. Underlying uh, erosion of self-confidence. Because, you know, whatever we can do to our outward form, the mind is something that you keeps revealing itself to you. And if you haven't cultivated it, it reveals itself to you as unreliable, moody, um, wild... Confusing, confused, subject to anxiety, anything. and then the thing: this is what I am. I am this. So, how does one begin to cultivate from that place? Because the very quality of faith and confidence in oneself is undercut by mental conditioning that is so much the way of this world. It really is sad that, you know, seven, six, seven billion humans on the planet and a tremendous proportion of that resource is polluted to the point where people don't even think they've got anything worth cultivating, apart from how to grab. With mindfulness, then this is, uh, of course, mindfulness of the mind is a, is going to be very testing. And uh, generally we practice mindfulness of body f- first, just to give one some recognition of, yes, there are results, mm. there is a way, the, the process and the results, so that then we can begin to be mindful of desire, of a worried mind, the mind when it's grumpy and grumbling, the mind when it's triumphant, the mind when it's sad, as just mind, as just this, as that which arises, and that which fades and changes. Something not to be uh, invested in, So there can be a kind of disbanding of the pretense and the self-blame that uh, disturbs us so much. This is very significant, particularly when it comes down to dealing with mind objects um, and the most paramount mind objects that. come to us are, as, we, as we cultivate, as we sit still, as we walk, as we collect ourselves, are things like our negative, right? negative um, energies. which is dullness which is a resisting trying to get out not wanting to be here thing which comes up and oppresses the mind weighs it down like one of those big Japanese sumi wrestlers sometimes you get in and you just whammo one of these big lumpy things just <laughs> pins you down <laughs> oh dear and it's Horrible experience, dullness, <laughs> or, or just uh, craving, thirst, or kind of some sensual obsession on the mind, that just keeps jabbing away like a hornet, or grudge, grudge and, and, and malice, ill will, fed mm, up, don't like, crabbiness. Um, and all the, the havering, wavering, should I? Is it really this? Maybe it's not, but then again, it could be doubt. And the restless worry worry and flurry, the mind not being able to settle these mind objects. And the the where. They really catch us is in that sense of that we ad- get identified with them, so the overall impression is you know I'm really in a bad mood today. I am this, even if perhaps we're not even that objective, we're just kind of so caught in it we're we're fully participating in that mood, blaming somebody else about it or believing in the projections. Um, what comes back to us, eventually, is the, is the unpleasant taste of that mood, and that we feel it as ourself. So I'm a really bad-tempered person. I'm a kind of wavering nitwit. I'll never get my act together. I'm this kind of dull, slob, Inadequate slob, dull, and so on. These kind of things. And so that again kind of cuts the whole base of meditation. Now, if there is been established mindfulness of body, mindfulness of mind, mindfulness of feeling, pleasant, painful, so that you're aware of pleasant feeling as something that is bound to happen, is no miracle. It just, and and as a nature to come and to to wane, and instead of kind of following after it with greed, it's just the recognising that's its pattern. It must go, it, it comes it must go and pain the same painful and neutral we begin to practice with these so you, mindfulness has got an element of concentration in that it it sort of stays in that point of watching allowing things to reveal themselves it's got patient and has a certain amount of faith in it and then it's kind of willing to experience these things and, and it's a kind of the confidence uh, definitely supports mindfulness. Now, if we've cultivated some of those um, things, some of those paths, then it's possible that, that, that when these hindrances arise, there can be more of the, the, the re- reflection: "This is this is not worthy of me. Not I'm not worthy." but this is not worthy of me, this is not uh, necessary for me." So there's a sense in which one, even with a hindrance present, the beginning process of mindfulness is that we see it not as essentially something that we, first of all, believe in and act upon, or secondly, feel is inherent in us, but something that is happening to us that is like uh, a stain or something that's kind of been poured over us that is is not ours. Um, There's a result of karma, a result of conditioning. So if we see it like that, then the quality of confidence and faith is not eroded. And therefore when it's got a certain leverage point which to approach these things as in objectively. And that is quite essential. If we can, so if, if we approach them in objectively, then mindfulness presents us with a range of possibilities that we can then follow up to, to deal with, to allay, to eliminate to quell, to transform these negative um, experiences. If we don't have that uh, sense of, of basic confidence and dispassion, objectivity, then mindfulness declines, is overwhelmed. So you don't look for any, you don't really see any possibilities. You just get floored by it. Um, So all the skillful means that, make, that we may apply really depend upon this one point of feeling that one is capable and worth, uh, capable of doing something, and that one has that sense of basic self-appreciation, self-worth, to to know you can do it, and to know that you, you're worthy of doing that, and, there's a, there, and there is a good result that will come from doing it. And the skillful means are are, are various, and uh, you know it's not really the time to go into all the details of it, but for example, in a very simple thing where you're drowsy, it's just standing up you know or opening your eyes uh, if you're sitting in meditation you're feeling dull, open your eyes and correct your posture, stand up, or use something much more uh, no, as you're trying to make the the experience much more conscious, because drowsiness is the quality that to make everything kind of fuzzy, a fuzzy blur, a swimming fuzzy blur. Um, so, you know, you do anything to 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 get definition, to get some clarity. So, for example, open your eyes, you can get clear visual focus, and you can open your eyes and just focus on a point on the carpet. And make sure you keep a, a sharp visual focus on that and it will tend to swim and fuzz and you just keep going back and sharpening up so you can use the eye consciousness to, to bring around sharpness and clarity that will, that will work against the dullness or you can use body consciousness that is a, a posture, standing, walking I wouldn't recommend lying down <laughs> uh, it's It's the one one uh skillful means that my mindfulness always <laughs> is able to think of <laughs> in such situations uh, so that's an example of of you know you just you, the mindfulness assesses a particular hindrance and then it's quite you know you're seeing instead of oh uh, I'm you know, feeling really rough today, oh god I'm good you know so I can't do this in, how long how much longer we've we got to go and sort of stagger through another fifteen minutes, I suppose. And a cup of coffee will be coming on since <laughs> you know <laughs> whatever the patterns are. But, uh, you see as mindfulness takes that that particular mental state and it, it it presents it to the mind in a different way than, you know, this is something that I am and, and where's where's the, how do I get to the pleasant bit from it? How do I get some, some kind of pleasant state out of this, which is the habit? Um, it's like, what is this? And then, what is it? Well, it's a kind of uh, fuzzy, swimming uh, experience that, that tends to weaken clarity. So it becomes quite apparent that what one needs to do is to do anything that will bring around definition clarity. So even just kind of sitting and, and reciting a word carefully, like Buddha, you know, seeing the word in your mind and reciting it in your mind, Buddha, slowly. So you get kind of, you can be aware that just that clear bringing up something, focusing on it, Forming it, listening to it, attending to it. So and that you know is another example of how you try, how you can work with dullness. But many of these things will come with just a little prompting. You'll discu- discover your own skillful means um, when you get a hint of like, of you know that there are. That, there are possibilities and what it's necessary to do to establish mindfulness. Mindfulness has this uh, power to investigate, to assess in a way that's non, not associated with habit, with ego structures, with gratification, with denial, with defence, with distraction associated with clarity with Dhamma, with truth and the path towards uh, calm and, and wisdom So in, in this way, um, the longer term effects, apart from the, say, the breaking up of those hindrances as they happen in the moment, there's the longer term effect is that the base upon which they keep arising. Is also worn down. The base they arise on is our uh, whole psychological patterns to do with um, well. Obviously, you know psychologically, we aim for that which is easiest, which is most habitual, which requires least least um, immediacy. Um, if you like, the process of of what's laughingly called mature, maturation <laughs> or or conditioning is one whereby you gradually get duller and duller as the years go by. Um, when you when you when you're fairly when you're young, you're a baby, you really like everything is just the first time ever, wow, what's happening? Oh look at that, you know, you just can't get enough of it. You're so you're so awake it's painful it's It's freaky, you know it's let's dull out quick <laughs> so, <laughs> so over the years, you gradually dull 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 so things become just kind of oh that's Susie so you know, that's the cat oh, that's food. You know, it's dinner it's Friday Right. Oh, Friday, I'll do this on Friday. you've got shorthand note notation for experience, so you don't really know Susie, you don't really look at the cat and find out what's going on, you don't really. You know, see, you've got an idea, you, know, you just do that with that, do that with that, that's it, don't have to think, don't have to notice it. And uh, so the, the fully matured human being is always completely dull um, to anything other than, than the flickering possibilities of gratification that may occur, which they're tuned attuned to. That's the one program that, you know, keeps going. And so this dulling out is where, of course, uh, the hindrances arise from that because one is not in touch with the resources of awakeness, of, of the mind, of awareness, One is not in touch with with centeredness, with calm. One is not in touch with wisdom. One is in touch with a lot of of dull, unawakened habits and the problems that come from those. Inadequacy, frustration, uh, sense of continual lack of achievement and so on. That kind of thing. Also. then when hindrances do arise we don't able to cope with them apart from distraction what mindfulness does as a long term it's something that uh, you learn slowly is it brings you to a greater sense of immediacy and presence all round and this is where a term like non-attachment is sometimes a bit confusing because we kind of classify that non-attachment means I'm not really there, I'm out of it, I'm away. You know. You can get that idea, it's like a, a sort of withdrawn. But what it really means is it's withdrawn from dullness, withdrawn from the habit mode. When you're withdrawn from the compulsions of habit and delusion, the mind is very immediate and bright. And you get, so mindfulness very much enhances this sense of the immediacy of experience. The mind is quick (coughs) and alert. So such a mind um, doesn't proliferate. In other words, it's not... (coughs) what if, and if only, and I should have, and maybe they could, and what do other people s- you know, see, this is agitation. That's the immediate experience behind that. And agitation is what? Is it agitation, is that a factor of wisdom or what? No. So, you know, that immediacy can, keeps cutting away the base upon which a hindrance can arise you know, you're assessing experience much more immediately. This is, well, this is just me denying. This is me just defending again. Do that. Mm -hmm. And the possibility of the immediacy being something that we no longer, means that we don't have to protect ourselves or store things up in case, if because we can see that that way of thinking is subject to pain and suffering and confusion so it means that that which if one there's immediacy, then things are could be done through that which an appropriate response rather than a compulsive reaction. So you get a true response to to experience rather than various programmed drives. So, you know, sometimes we think immediacy that does does that negate um the ability to foresee or to plan? I don't think so. What it does negate is to worry and feel continually anxious about the future. But It doesn't negate the sense in which one can think of, oh, this is, you know, on Tuesday, that, what I said will happen, that requires this to be done. No, it doesn't need to be done, or yes, it does need to be done. That's clarity, that's immediacy. But when it's, but then what if and if only should I? Care? Then it goes into restlessness and worry. So I think it's important to to uh, to experience uh, uh, that and to trust it. To know what it's like to be clear. And when we're saying immediate, it doesn't mean we're just living for this day only, but the experience that comes to you, you're looking at it as, is this affecting the mind in terms of worry or doubt? Is this affecting the t- mind in terms of greed or restlessness? Is it affecting the, is it just going back to some old karmic pattern of myself and what I think I am, or am I actually relating to this experience directly as it is with what it requires? So this is where mindfulness becomes very helpful in cultivating all factors of the path because it cuts through the karmic accumulations and you get to the point. The person who gets to the point finds themselves one-pointed and beginning to approach the uh, full clarity of mind. of this for your reflection. <coughs> <coughs>